Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. <laughs> Never mind us. We're just in the studio having a lengthy conversation. Yeah. And Lucas is waving at us. I'm like, oh, hey, man. We were talking hey, about Lucas. Wood- woodchucks. Yeah, Blaine posted his uh, <laughs> as a promo running on the station. Have you got that? Do you have access to those promos? Can you run the promo that's running right now? And Blaine tweeted a picture. We retweeted on Blaine and Mickey Twitter. There's a promo of Blaine talking about life as a baby on a diet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because our boss there, Mr. Mason, (laughs) Paul Mason, pulled that in and put it on like, uh, I guess it plays throughout periodically uh, throughout the day. Uh, So I said, well, let me go because I heard it. I said, I kept saying, damn, I'm going to go. Get that picture I'm talking about. And that was the best picture I could find. There was some. Oh, I think it's some, fine. I, th- it was, I had some worse ones. I didn't want to put it out there where I had ro- like rolls on my neck and stuff. I just thought that was like a little too far for me. So, yeah. At the beginning of his life, many probably didn't think Blaine Bishop was destined to be a Titans All-Pro safety. I was on a diet as a baby. They used to call me Woodchuck. <laughs> and so I was real big. I had rolls on my neck. And, you know, I was just big, man. <laughs> my aunt told me this. And I go ask her, she said, oh, yeah, you just wouldn't stop eating. I was like, yeah, I was I was loving that milk, wasn't I? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, not these guys are experts at talking about sports. Blaine was fat as a baby. That's how uh, we advertise man. our show. Uh, oh. Man, I mean, my, and my mom was a, is a, is a I, I was never really oh, taller man. than my mom. My mom was five eleven, five ten and a half ish, big woman, uh, and I was born eleven pounds. Yeah, so that's kind of where it all started. Yeah, so I was, you know, I'm th- I'm like, you know, my dad was five eleven, so they were the same height. So it was kind of, I took everything after my dad as far as. Like bow legs and all of that, <laughs> but as far as just, just oh, sweat mass, I was I was thick, man, and that was a conservative yeah. one. That was a, the first one I saw, and then I saw some other. I was like, oh no, nah, I can't do that. That's a little embarrassing. Oh, there's better ones. Oh, I would rolls on my neck. I Please mean, put those out. Well, Please. one of them, uh, I, you know, Please I didn't want to put, put a, a naked baby picture out there. So, <laughs> you, there's so much I, Photoshop. I said, out. I, I said I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> Somebody can Photoshop oh, out your goods and services there. Yeah, oh, well, you know, I'm not that, you know, technology uh, savvy. I, I, I didn't have time for all that. So I thought I'd put a nice, you know, conservative one out there. So, yeah, man, so I wanted to match up what that conversation was with. Uh, and that's, you you know, back in that day, you know, Mickey, you know, we're older, is that my mom would write on every picture the date and what happened there. And I, I was just, I was one at that time. So it's just, uh, man, it's amazing. It's I, I, I should Mills put out a stuff. picture of me and my mom so everybody could just see, like, how she was a a, a massive, like, a big woman. So 5'10", 5'11". Yeah. Yeah. So it took me literally all the way to, like, college before I was taller than, as tall as my mom. <laughs> yeah. 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 Was, so in the chat. I was like, dang, man. You know, I, I'm not even... Taller than my mom. <laughs> that should have helped see, your recruiting. Uh, when people look like, I know. Oh, this guy's going to grow a lot. Well, yeah, well, yeah, you know, back, mom, yeah. Well, back then, it was, you know, I wasn't going on a lot of business. <laughs> what do you like that? <laughs> I, yeah, I was, if that was me, I should have kept my dad home and brought my mom, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, that's because he was 5'11". He was the tallest in his family. See, so and I, I, my genes took everything about. I mean, I have uncle six four, six six, six eight on your mom's side. Yeah, my mother's okay. side. Yeah, 
I'll tell you this. Yeah. This is a true story. And, and, and people who <laughs> and I know was me. like, dang, I could at least got six one. Six I was I was hoping to get to six feet. <laughs> I'm the tallest person in my family. The of all the Ryans. <laughs> and the and and the lightest. And as we were discussing Maybe. before we went on air. Because Mickey graduated high school at 127 pounds. <laughs> 127. I went home after my freshman what? year. I I was 133, and the lady at the Dairy Queen told me how fat I had gotten. I said, I'll Compared have a water. Compared to the last time yes, she saw you. I huh? said, I'll have a water. <laughs> and I got in my truck and drove home and ran six miles Man. and threw up in a bean field. Man, those are, those are uh, different times, that uh, is for sure. Lonzo <laughs> says, hey, Mickey Lucas and Woodchuck. <laughs> then he also said they can Photoshop out your ding-dong of the week. Uh- <laughs> Yeah, that, yeah I, I, I was real. I was like, it's not too funny, man. If it would have just like had my backside or something, I was cool. But I was like laying um, on my, my back, you know. You know, it's always interesting. You go back and look at, you know, <laughs> pictures oh. your family take. You're like, man, why were they taking pictures of me naked getting a bath? <laughs> <laughs> oh, everybody <laughs> loves a fat baby. Yeah, yeah everybody. Man, it was, yeah, it was definitely uh, fun to look at uh, the photo albums there. Well, my was son was good. a baby. We called him Fat Rabble. Which I was fat rabble. fat rabble, not to his face, because oh. he was a baby. We didn't want to ruin his self esteem, but that period of his life is known as fat rabble. So he was rabble from the jump. Oh yeah, he was always rabble. I just I, figured that was something he developed. He as, developed as a very, it. No, I called him rabble at the hospital. Rabble was oh, born wow. in the same hospital in rural Arkansas that I was born in. Forty five years later, day. Forty five years later, he was born in the same hospital as me. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and people were like, Is this your grandson? I was like, No, no, he's he's my son. <laughs> that's yeah. Yeah, I drug my heels a little bit. Yeah. yeah, no, I think that's always awesome though. Man, that's gonna keep you uh revving. Either that and going. Keep, I have a muscle pulled from the back of my knee <laughs> up to whatever this bone is right here. What's I don't that? Know, yeah, yeah, the I don't whole know. thing feels like it's locked up. What would you do would you play kick? We were playing soccer. Oh my. He he put the change of direction on me, and I went down like I'd been shot. <laughs> I said, "We got to find you some younger he, he people." Didn't give play you the Derrick Henry straight or? No, he don't. He doesn't stiff arm me. He just puts the move on me. So you weren't flopping? Nah, no, I didn't flop, dude. I, I thought <laughs> we're gonna take me the ER. Hey. This is bad. Amen. I told him once you get to be dad's age, like things don't move and stretch like they used to. So oh, he don't give a rat's. You know what about it? Zero. Zero. Um, yeah, he, he wants to play with dad, and he wants to go kickball and catch these putts and all that, man. Yeah, I saw y'all at work, man. I, he hey, kind of let me take over, throw some balls to him. I was like, oh man, this I, I didn't I didn't ask for trouble. This will never end. He would have done that it, for it three was hours dark. if you done. I was like, it. hey man, can you see the ball? He's like, okay, throw it right there. I can see it. <laughs> he couldn't see anything. That ball go right by his head. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, nah, I gotta go. I gotta go get some more food in there. Your mom made for us. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I have to ask you this, Lucas. Uh, let's shift gears on this. I know you talked about it a little bit earlier. I want to get Lucas's perspective on this uh, dust-up between the Vols and Kentucky last night and and their strength coach, who is Rabble size currently. Yeah, he was pretty short, though, man. My I would have given him about 5'4". Barry <laughs> Coleman Sr. What yeah. you talking about, Zakai yeah. Ziegler? Rob Harris, I believe, is his name. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I like the bust-up. The game was heated, so I liked that after the first TV timeout, you've got a little bit of a scrum on the bench and technicals being handed out. I like that. That's some juice to the rivalry. It's a rocking environment. 
but not when it's a assistant coach, a strength coach <laughs> trying to body up a freshman. Like we, Bob, like Bob Kessley was talking about it today. He's supposed to be in high schools. Zakai Ziegler is, and Rob Harris is out here puffing his chest at him because he's shorter than Zakai Ziegler is. I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but it's like, come on, man. Yeah, he was kind of swole too. He just, you know, he was looked like he had wide shoulders. Like he, he's the strength coach or something. Yeah, but he's the, he's the yeah, trainer. It's, it's, Why does yeah, he the tall? And you know what? That shouldn't even happen because the. Actually, the other coach over there, whoever else that was over there, was trying to help up the, the players, Tennessee the players, players. that were, And then the, the players came over there, and it was no big deal until he tried to swell up and, and, and kind of like push him, push him and like get away from here. And then I was listening to uh, Coach Barnes talk about their, you know, like they can't put it on him per se. Like he said, well, I'm going to just have a trainer go after one of their players in another game then. It, 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 if they can't get a technical foul or kick him out of the game or what have you. So that shouldn't even uh, really happen. I blame that all on that individual staffer there on the sideline because I thought the players were kind of stand up on it. Then it got a, you know, naturally a little emotions over there. And when somebody starts pushing and shoving, then I was, you don't know what could happen. So I'm glad it didn't get out of control. I, I thought the refs did a good job on that. Just gave technical fouls both ways and just said, let's squash this and we're going to be real critical from here on out. So, yeah. But it, it was a great atmosphere, a lot of yeah. electricity. You could yeah. feel it even through the TV Listening and uh, and watching the game, man, it, it was awesome to see Tennessee play really well. Start off good on the offensive side, moving the ball really well, hitting a lot of perimeter shots, and then Falky and uh, you know some other guys. Uh, naturally, uh, Vascovi, uh, Kennedy had a great game. I mean, man, they they played to the level that I haven't seen them play consistently for a while, and you know they look totally opposite than the time they played Kentucky before, and their defense is always. Pretty much on point when you're, you know, a Rick Barnes, Tennessee team. Uh, so I was excited to see that uh, and just see if they can do it consistently. Because they got the next, you know, the next, what, four or five games here. They got some tough ones. They could kind of determine. They still got a shot at the SEC title, right? Yeah, Auburn would have to slip up uh, yeah. once against but the But they team. play them. But they, they play they them. Do, they're two games back mm-hmm. of Auburn. So they would need yeah. Auburn's strength. The schedule isn't great down the stretch. They need them to maybe have, a, a you know, a bit of a clunker against a Missouri or a South Carolina. But... <laughs> Yeah, no, Arkansas next, Missouri, and then it's Auburn, and then you got to play Arkansas again, and then Georgia, and that's that's about it. I know we have Mike Wilson on, uh, yeah. you know, next, but does Folky always play well versus Kentucky? Every time I watch him play against Kentucky, I go, man, Folky always has a good game against them. I think he went into the game like thinking he was going to have a good game because he always does. Yeah, it seems be- like it. Best game of his career was in Rupp Arena right before the pandemic in 2020 when Tennessee got that win up there. That wasn't so. a very good Tennessee team. That was kind of on the bubble. So, yeah, he, he seems to step up in those moments. That was a vintage John Fulkerson performance, right? Yeah. 14 points, 8 rebounds, just all over the place, falling on the mm-hmm. floor, creating yeah. whistles, and probably angering Kentucky fans uh, to their core. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, for sure. But, uh, you know, Ziegler, uh, Jordan J. I I mean, uh, you know, it was a lot of guys that really contributed. Great team effort. But, man, they play like that, man. They can go on a deep run uh, in, the, in the tournament. Uh, man, I, yeah, I, I really believe that if they play like that, and uh, naturally it won't be home games in neutral site, but, man, I, I was thoroughly impressed. It was kind of where I dove in, and I'm going to just be all about Tennessee, and I'm going to watch uh, this game. And, then get, you know, their guard field, uh, really, when they have success, you know, three guards are out there, really. Mm-hmm. And Jordan James is kind of that utility guy who could do a lot of different things. You know, where he's, you know, can be the point guard. He could be the, you know, two, three. He could be a four and a crunch, you know, depending on the lineup out there. So, yeah, I think they got a lot of flexibility and have success in the tournament. You got to have great guard play. Uh, so when they hit perimeter shots, that was, ooh, that was, that was impressive. 
Yeah, they um what's that eight straight SEC games, Rick Barnes, what, nine and seven all time at Tennessee against Kentucky? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, with um, only yeah. one home loss, I believe. Mm. They haven't lost at home all year, have they? No. No, they, yeah, they are unbeaten at home this year. So it's, it, I, I will be very interested as we as we dwindle towards March. How I, I put a question last night, a poll question on Blaine and Mickey. I was just curious because I thought, okay, Vol fans are gonna be euphoric right now after this win. How far do you think think this team can go? And it was uh, round of 32, round of 16, Elite Eight, Final Four. And I said, reply all if you think they'll lose in the first round or win it all or go to the Final Four. Nobody responded that way. Uh, last time I looked, Sweet 16 was the clubhouse leader. And if you mm-hmm. asked that question a month ago, a lot of people would be saying first round exit, second round at best. Yep. So this uh, run that they've been on is, has been pretty amazing. Um I thought it was cool too. So you know, after the game, the players went up here and thanked the fans because they they were really loud and electric. I kind of I kind of like that man. They they they've been man, whew, that was loud, man. That was big time. Like they're a basketball program loud. That, that was pretty unique. I actually wanted to be sitting in this, you know, the the stadium there with them, uh, you know, to arena to uh, man be part of that atmosphere. It was pretty cool. Yeah, it's uh. It's interesting to, to watch now a, a, attendance at sporting events and just who is drawing people for what, and they are drawing people like crazy for basketball. I mean, the football thing is a given up there, but oh my gosh, you're right. That crowd was nuts last night. Yeah. I was watching slope style from the Olympics on my TV, and I was watching the Vols in Kentucky on my phone. Even on my phone, it was electric. It's a fun <laughs> Even on a tiny phone, it was it was electric atmosphere. Uh, Mike Wilson was there. He is, uh, it, man, nobody covers Vols basketball like him, and he will join us next. We'll get all the inside info from Mike Wilson. Knoxville News Sentinel next on Blaine and Mickey. Yeah, hey, see how much he weighed when he's born. <laughs> Chandler holds it, gives to Fulkerson, top of the key. Working on Sheepway. He drives him again. Spins in traffic. Goes up, puts it off the glass and in. Talk to me, Fulkin! Fulkerson taking it right at Sheepway. Blade Mickey 1045 The Zone. The dulcet tones of one Robert Kessling getting you back in. Uh, you can always hear him and the Vol Network right here on 1045 oh, The man. Zone. You can hear Mike Wilson on The Zone right now because he joins us well, right now. Well, everybody, Knoxville did you, did you tweet out? We got to ask everybody. How much uh, they weighed uh, when they uh, were born? Do you do you know, Mike? How much you weigh when you were born? I have no idea. Oh! <laughs> I, I don't know what time I was born. I don't know how long I was. How uh, much I weighed? I just know that I was born. <laughs> well, there's proof of that. We're talking to you right yeah. now. We're absolutely well, well, born. Thanks, thanks, Mike. We we appreciate that you were Breaking part. news. Mike Wilson was born. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With that being said, Tennessee looked like they were born last night, man. I hadn't seen them play that well on offense. All season with all the ball movement, the movement around defense and everything else. So they got off to a great start. The crowd was electric. Kind of take us through your overview of what you saw and how it felt there with the atmosphere. Man, that's as good as I've seen Thompson Bowling Arena in my five years here. I thought that was an incredible environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also thought just when you talk about the team and what that, that win means, it's validation for the past month. Um, you know, they'd, they'd won seven straight SEC games entering that, but it hadn't really been against that top tier in the SEC. They'd beaten LSU, but LSU's really tailed off 
uh, th this was validation. This was, all right, ever since that loss at Kentucky, Tennessee's kind of figured out its attitude, its identity, and this is proof that, that they can do it against the best of the best because Kentucky has a, a team that can reach the Final Four, and Tennessee really stuck it to them yesterday. Yeah, we're on with Mike Wilson with Knoxville News. No, I, I guess I have to ask you, we were just talking about it, and that is, man, they still got a shot of winning the SEC. I was talking to Lucas about that, and what do you think their their odds are that they could uh, actually pull that off? Uh, got to need some help, too, but, hey, they play some of the teams that uh, they're going to be competing with, at least Auburn. Yeah, I mean, Tennessee would have to beat Auburn to do that and then need a little bit of help. So I think Auburn's only got the one SEC loss right now, uh, and Tennessee is sitting at 10-3, and three, so... It would require some help, but if you win out, you certainly have a shot there because then if Auburn loses one other, you're tied, you have the tiebreaker. But Tennessee also does still have two games against Arkansas, which is kind of tough because Arkansas wasn't playing well at all a month ago, but they really figured it out. Uh, now Tennessee gets them twice in the final five games of SEC play, uh, including the one this Saturday on the road at Bud Walton Arena, which is a very tough place to play. So Tennessee's right in that mix. I, I think they basically all but locked up a double buy in the SEC tournament, which is a very big deal. Um, but winning it would be a pretty good feat at this point, given what it would take and the help it would take. Mm. How surprised uh, were you of the play? I think you worked an article on him, uh, the freshman big man. What's his name? Uh, Adu or? Yeah, Jonas Adu. Yeah. Adu, yeah. Well, I mean, man, because, you know, everybody played really well, but, I mean, it's almost like the like switch came on and he was uh you know acting like he had been uh, pretty much a contributor the the entire season it's it's wild to see because it's a guy who played 15 minutes in the first 22 games of the year <laughs> yeah wow yeah and then played 16 in the two before this one comes out and plays 18 minutes against the number three team in the country number four team in the country depending on which poll you use and played really well against a national player of the year candidate what I kind of wrote was, you know, this guy didn't just play, he belonged. Mm -hmm. And to say that about someone who played so little is absolutely mind-blowing. Um, and I likened it earlier to someone, it's like a, a trade deadline acquisition uh, in MLB, NBA. Because Tennessee basically just added a 10- to 15-minute-a-game guy in February. Uh, and, and you don't get to do that very often or say that very often in college basketball. So it's a, it's a crazy addition to see Jonas Adu doing what he's doing. And it's really important for Tennessee, given Olivier Conway's out. We're on uh, with uh, Mike Wilson, Knoxville News Sentinel. Mike, I, uh, I know you also wrote recently about Zakai Ziegler, and he's just be kind of become that guy. Like, he's that, that lightning bolt in the game for the Vols. But his story is pretty dang remarkable. It is. Um, and, and I think in shedding, shedding some light on, on the story that Zakai has, you kind of understand why he plays the way that he does. I mean, there's just such a, a fearless nature to how he plays and such an attitude, and it's so different. Uh, I really think that is honestly an attitude that Tennessee needed on this roster. It's just a guy who plays the game with kind of such an abandonment, a controlled abandonment, and you see that in defense. You see that on offense. You see him do it throughout the game, and, and I think it's really affected his teammates, which when you consider it's a guy who wasn't even on the roster at the start of the preseason, that's also pretty remarkable to say about somebody. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, he's just been such a, a revelation. You know, teams always have these really high number of star guys, and, you know, they're going to go to the NBA in a year. And then here's the Kai Ziegler just stealing all the headlines. 100%. And I think he's in double figures now in maybe seven straight games. Wow. And when you look at Tennessee's kind of offensive resurgence lately, 
I think a lot of it ties into Ziegler and also Josiah Jordan-James. Both of those guys have been pretty consistent double-digit scorers. I think Josiah's been terrific for the past month, uh, especially since that Texas loss. He just looks like such a different, assertive, offensive player. As those two guys have kind of come on, and I think Kennedy Chandler falls in that category, too, in the past two weeks. I mean, he's playing tremendous basketball. That's really what's changing this offense because it was so much a, a Santiago Vescovi show for you know, the greater part of three months, but now there's a whole bunch of guys getting it done. Yeah, and Ziegler obviously had the uh, eye and had caught the attention of the assistant strength and conditioning coach or whatever <laughs> he is of, of mm. Kentucky. They, they got a little pushing and shoving last night. Yeah, I wouldn't mess with this guy Ziegler either. I think he's got some toughness to him. Uh, strength coaches are tough too, but, yeah, that was a, an interesting little moment there on the, on the sideline. But I think all of that just goes back to Tennessee. Is they've kind of embraced being a little bit chippy, um, and, and they're not really willing to be pushed around. Like, I think they were in the first month of SEC play by an LSU, by a Kentucky. I, I think this team really came back from, from those games and, said no more, uh, you know, we need to have this, this toughness and identity that, that they've lacked. Um, I think Uros Flopsich contributes to that, and they've definitely seen a different mentality on the court. Yeah, Mike uh, Wilson brings a different mentality to this show. You can follow him in, on Twitter, at ByMikeWilson. Of course, anywhere you consume the Knoxville News Sentinel, his writing is there. Well, Mike, I don't know if they'll play this well, but what is the key in linchpin for them to have success in the tournament, NCAA tournament, and then what seeding do you think they'll possibly get? Let's make some bold predictions today there, Mike. I mean, as it stands now, I'd assume they're, they're very firmly sitting as a four. Mm-hmm. I think there's probably some that'll put them as a three after this win. Um, I think they're right in that three to five range, kind of regardless, probably of assuming things stay largely status quo the rest of the season. Uh, you know, if Tennessee splits with Arkansas, I think you kind of lock into that range for sure. Cause you assume they're probably going to go and beat Georgia um, and close out pretty well here. But that, that's kind of where it seems like it'll fall. Um, but the tournament's always about the matchups. And I think what's been, been the nice development for Tennessee is that end-of-game lineup, the double point guard look, Santiago Vescovi doing what he's doing. I think John Fulkerson has played a lot better lately, too. So you're seeing a lot of guys really settle into who they are and what they've got to do. Um, and that bodes well come tournament time. Um, but it really, I mean, at the end of the day, it truly is all about who you get, the draw you get. Um, it, I mean, those matchups matter to everything when it comes to the NCAA tournament. No doubt about it. I guess there's four teams in the SEC that are, are you know, doing really well. But, you know, there's a group of teams there right below there that – could possibly even uh, make the tournament, but man, they could make some noise in the SEC tournament. Uh, who would be your surprise team that if they got on a run and got hot in the SEC tournament to to possibly make it even to the championship? I really like Mississippi State's team. Oh, um, I like them going into the year. I like Iverson Molinar a lot. I think he's one of those players that doesn't get the attention nationally that he should. Uh, I, I think he's terrific. They've got a couple good post players um, in Garrison Brooks. Um, they, they play well there. I, I like that group. Uh, and that's, that's kind of, they're in that middle of the pack tier right now with an LSU of Florida, kind of that group. But that, that to me is that team that can get it done. Um, I, I'm not super high on Florida, especially after that loss to A&M. LSU still has a lot of talented pieces, but they're going in the wrong direction. But, yeah, I think Mississippi State's a team that, that has a shot to, to make some noise. No doubt about it. We on with uh, Mike Wilson for the Knoxville News Sentinel. Lastly, uh, you know, uh, man, Folky, 
man, he seems like like he's the old folky again. I mean, man, I'm I'm a, such a big fan of his. Uh, and uh, man, he seems like he's always having success versus uh, Kentucky. But uh, it was good to see him back out there looking lively and look like him old self. Yeah, and I saw an interesting comment last night from Rick Barnes is that when Olivia Combo went down, the coaching staff's first thought was, we're going to start John Fulkerson. And Fulkerson responded and said, don't start me. I really like the role I'm in right now. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, a 60-year senior who's played in as many games as he has and started as many games as he has to have that attitude really tells you how he feels about what he's doing right now and how he's doing it. And I, I do think the past two games he's shown a lot of signs of life uh, and, and being an effective, consistent performer. And Tennessee does need that in the post. Uh, it's still tough to know. I mean, Jonas A.D. was terrific yesterday. I don't know that you can say, hey, he's going to play 18 minutes every game and be awesome. Um, Rose Flavs has had moments, but is inconsistent. And, and Brandon Huntley Hatfield has not been reliable uh, for the most part. So having John Fulkerson be that guy is paramount uh, to Tennessee being the team that it wants to be. Mm. Hey, did the did the players talk about like uh, how much the fans uh, you know give them energy and impacted the game, or or did that even get mentioned at all? Yeah, they, they were asked about that after the game, and yeah, they certainly talked about the environment and just the the way that crowd feeds into it. And I mean, Tennessee has won 15 straight at home; they haven't lost there this Dang. year, and they've won two games at home against you know Final Four contenders in Arizona and Kentucky, um, both mm. of whom were top five teams when they came in. So. I think that really does tell you the way that this crowd affects this team because uh, Tennessee's very, very good uh, at winning at Thompson Bowling Arena. Yeah, it was so electric. I, I wanted to drive down and go to the next game. That's how much I was into the game, man. It was awesome. We're on with uh, Mike Wilson, Knoxville News Sentinel. Mike, what's, what's the, the Vols' best lineup to put on the floor? Which five? You know, I, I really do think it's that closing lineup. Yeah. Uh, there's a Kai Ziegler, Kennedy Chandler, Santiago Vescovi, Josiah Jordan-James, John Fulkerson group. Um, the big man in that group has been a revolving door at points. It was Urosh at times, Olivier at times, but I think it's John Fulkerson at this point. Um, and and it, it really does remind me of that lineup that they rolled out a couple years back that was Levante Turner, Jordan Bowen, Jordan Bowden, Grant Williams, and Admiral Schofield. Small ball lineup, four, uh, four guards essentially. Um, so Admiral was the four there. Josiah is in this group. That, that lineup's effective. Uh, it, it's Tenacious on defense, usually has a lot of energy left, does well offensively, moves the ball. Uh, and I think that's the lineup that, that's very effective for Tennessee. Do you think one of the big guys needs to kind of take the reins, whether it's, you know, Fulke would be the obvious guy just because he's been there forever. And, and there was that magical period a couple years ago where it seemed like this guy was just riding a rocket ship to basketball fame. Uh, but I know COVID and other things have kind of derailed him and being nicked up by injuries. Can they keep doing it post by committee, or does somebody need to really grab that thing for them to make a deep run? I mean, ideally, you know what you're going to get out of all of those guys. And if you do, then you know which one is kind of that, that bell cow of the group. And I do think, ideally, it's John Fulkerson. Um, I do think Rose Plavs has shown he's capable of doing that in stretches. Um, he was very good in January uh, when John Fulkerson wasn't. And Olivia Kamal was kind of inconsistent, so... Uh, but knowing what you're going to get is key, but Tennessee has four post players, really, and yeah. two of them are freshmen. And Jonas Adu, as we talked about, has barely played. Brandon Holy Hatfield ha has such a small role in most games, despite starting the past few games. So when you've got two of those guys as freshmen, it is hard to know what you're going to get. So by default, John Fulkerson's kind of got to be the guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you think is the best conference in college basketball right now? 
Ooh, <laughs> that's a fun question. Yeah, it's not the ACC. I can tell you that <laughs> anymore, much. right? Uh, definitively not the ACC. Uh, Big Ten's got a lot of very good teams, but Michigan State's sliding. Michigan hasn't really been where it's supposed to be. The Big 12 certainly has a lot of very good teams. I mean, we saw Texas and Tennessee Tech uh, on Tennessee's schedule this year. Oklahoma is a tough team. Kansas is always Kansas. But the SEC right now, kind of that top three, four teams in this conference, especially with Arkansas playing so well. Yeah. I mean, you're talking Auburn, Kentucky, Tennessee, Arkansas. Three of those teams will probably be top ten teams uh, entering next week. Or no, Tennessee will probably be right on the outside. Uh, depending on what Arkan- happens at Arkansas. Uh, so right there, we've got two top five teams you know, as it stands. Tennessee's 13th. Arkansas is back in the poll. So you're talking two Final Four contenders, and Tennessee's on a rapid rise, and so is Arkansas. So as far as top tier goes, I mean, the SEC's gotten the top tier as good as anyone. Man, uh, it's crazy to say after what we watch them do in football every year. Uh, and watch out, here we are with basketball again. Our uh Mike Wilson, our guest, talking balls and college basketball and more right here on Blaine and Mickey. Yeah, I guess one more for me. Do you feel like Kennedy Chandler is finally kind of living up to that billing uh, big-time recruit and he's finally kind of putting it all together? Or that's still kind of work in progress? Because it was a big difference between this time they played Kentucky and, and you know, and the last time. You know, I thought Kennedy was really good early in the season. Uh, during the non-conference, including at Colorado, Power 5 opponent on the road, Power Conference opponent on the road. Uh, he did taper off early in SEC play, uh, did have COVID, missed that Alabama game, came back. You know, what wasn't super effective for a stretch there, and I think a lot of that had to do with, you know, seeing how teams are guarding you differently. You're dealing with a lot more physical play, adjusting to everything that's going on. I, I do think the past few games, ever since the South Carolina game, I, I think Kennedy's been tremendous. Uh, and honestly, at the halfway point of SEC play before that game, I would say Zakai Ziegler was Tennessee's best point guard at that time. Uh, and Kennedy wasn't. But right now, both those guys are playing terrific basketball, and Kennedy was outstanding uh, against Kentucky last night. He really took over the game early in the first half, uh, scored eight straight points, which is when Tennessee kind of kind of stomped out of Kentucky and, and kept going. Um, and I thought he was very in control at South Carolina, very in control last night, uh, very much made some plays down the stretch against Vanderbilt that won the game. So, yeah, I think he's playing great basketball, and that's obviously great news for Tennessee because they can throw the Kai and Kennedy at teams, and, and that's a least a little pair. Mm. Well, and uh, with uh, Mike Wilson, that's real news, isn't it? All right, on the way out, Mike, who is your number one team? Who is the best team in the country? Ooh. Gonzaga. Um, I mean, I think – I don't know that nationally, everyone knows who Chet Holmgren is, but I'm not sure if people understand how rare what he's doing is statistically, just in terms of percentages and averages. He's having a generational type season, um, and and that's just such a a special player. Uh, I think that team is terrific. Uh, I certainly think Auburn's in that conversation right now. I think Arizona, Kentucky, a lot lot of teams are in that conversation. But yeah, I I think Gonzaga, especially because of Chet Holmgren, is a very special team. Well, with that being said, then that, that, are those your final four teams and Gonzaga cuts the nets? I mean, hey, man, I, I like where you're going here. Hey, that's all about the matchups. Like I said, depends on who those teams draw. I mean, mm-hmm. let me say it this way. I was covering that South Carolina team that made that final four run, uh, and that, that took them beating Duke, who was uh-huh. a two seed. They had to go and beat Baylor uh, in the, the second weekend. 
it really just does come down to who's hot and who gets the right matches at the same time because I mean, there's a reason those upsets happen. There's a reason people love that tournament so much. Cool. Man, great stuff. Uh, always love catching up with you, buddy. Again, at by Mike Wilson. You can follow him on Twitter or uh, just check out the Knoxville News Sentinel. Subscribe, and you can read everything Mike writes, and you'll want to read all of it. Yeah, Thank base, you, Mike. Yeah, baseball coming up, too. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Yes, sir. The one and only Mike Wilson. Uh, when we come back, there's a Colts player who admitted that during the offseason, he thinks about a Titans player every day. He thinks about him. Yeah. So I want to I want to let you hear that. Also, I want to ask Blaine Bishop, did he think of any players on other teams every day during the offseason? Because we're in the offseason now. It's time to talk a little offseason. Who are you thinking about next on Blaine and Mickey? Blade and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Um, Darius Leonard, you know him. He got uh, – Oh, linebacker for, for the Colts, right? Yeah, he got trucked by Derrick Henry in the first meeting. Uh, was it was that in the first game against him or the second game? It was the first game, right? Yeah, it was here. First yeah, game. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that. He got trucked. I mean, he went and tried to knock the ball out, and he said he was going to try that and it, beforehand. And if it looked bad, oh, well, but yes. he may have a shot of getting the ball out. It's, but it, it, it did look bad, but it, I mean. He yeah. sort of swung at the ball, and then all of Derrick Henry hit him. Yeah. Like kind of falling downhill, like if a piano fell on top of yeah. you, down a flight of stairs. Mm-hmm. But you're right, and he owned it. And you think, because you've talked about that this. Sees, whole, that shows that he thought about what he was going to do he in made his a plan. plan of attack. Yeah, right. he had a he, plan. He knew the results could be bad, but he said, <laughs> guess what, I'm going to go for it because I'd rather have a shot of getting a turnover then getting trucked, he didn't. He didn't care. He knew, you know, he knows he's good, and it didn't really matter. Everybody can watch the tape and see, even though he's going to be on a lot of highlight reels. <laughs> he did make the tackle. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was a fumble, stumbling, <laughs> bumbling tackle. But yeah, that's what he, you know, that's what he, that's what he does. So, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a unique play to even go for it. I, I would have just went for the tackle. See, that's the difference between those elite dudes and just good dudes. Yeah, he, you know, he really reminds me a lot of Keith Bullock. And I don't know if it's just a number, but it's his style of play, how he looks in his uniform, and he's a he's, he's a playmaker. Yeah, yeah they, they their their games are very very similar. He is. Um, I watched a, a, a special on Darius Leonard, and he said the first thing that he saw after he'd been drafted, someone called him getting picked by the Colts, where they picked him. The worst draft pick either of the year or in history, something like because that. Because he was a second rounder, right? Second rounder. Because nobody heard of him because he, you know, he, what did he go to HBCU school? He did. He went to like Alabama State or somewhere like that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so he gets drafted. And of course, people want you to draft names that they know. And then when, you know, when they don't draft a, if it's that linebacker from Alabama, oh, that's a great pick. Mm-hmm. But it's from, you know, Alabama State Tech, that's the worst draft pick ever. And he showed that instantly when he got out there that, hey, man, I'm that dude. Yeah, he's that dude. <laughs> um, but who is that dude's that dude? This is from Jim Wyatt. This is from the Pro Bowl. Jimmy Wyatt out there hustling. Talked to Darius Leonard, and they were talking about the offseason. And, and he told Jimbo who he thinks about every day while he trains. It's amazing going competing against him. I mean, he's a good friend of mine. But, you know, like in the offseason, you know, I think about, you know, him. You know, right. me and I'm working out, you know, what drills that I'm going to do to make me better to face Derrick Henry, the one of the best backs in the league. Uh, he's about 200. I always joke, say he's a defensive end playing running back. Um, he's just great, man. He's a workhorse. And you can see it in the offseason. You can see in the fourth quarter when things get tough. He, you know, he's 
breaking the run up and saving the yards, making go to show, you know, what type of player he is. So that's kind of the way Eddie George and like Ray Lewis back in the day yes, used sir. to. So it's kind of the same thing with you. That's that's your kind of measuring stick. Yeah, you got to because I mean you face a guy in your division twice a year, someone who took the ball a lot, um, and you he's a, he's a he's a great trainer, you know, to break down. So you got to make sure you understand, you know, who you're playing against and how you want to compete against him. So Darius Leonard, and, and you've talked a lot about your off seasons. You would target things you needed to get better at, so you'd work on those during that particular off season. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a guy who said he's in the same division. I got to see him twice a year. He's—I joked that he's the defensive end playing running back. But obviously, uh, I think it's interesting for fans to get that perspective from a player. For him to literally say, "Yeah, every day when I'm working out, I'm thinking, how can I beat Derrick Henry? <laughs> how can I? How can I stop him? That's a guy yeah. I got to stop to you know to get to where I want to go." Yeah, and I, I think he was referencing more of, you know, when he's kind of on those days where it's just a grind and he's trying to pick himself up. He's thinking about, okay, what is Derrick Henry doing right now? <laughs> yeah, I think I would put it in that kind of frame uh, in that conversation because guys that are as good as Darius, you know, Leonard, they don't need any really motivation. Right. They know they're great. They're trying to continually be great, and they're self-motivated, and that just gives them the extra edge when the grind starts getting tough in the offseason and you start thinking about the elite players that you're going to be facing and what are they doing right now. And I think that's uh, what he was talking about. And, you know, yeah, for me in the offseason, I, I would always I always focus on myself about what I can do to be better at my skill set. I, I couldn't try to be better than uh, you know than what my skill set provided me so i wanted to improve in every facet of the game that i was because you know just because of the scheme and the system everybody like oh man he's always in the box but actuality i was a cover guy mm-hmm. I, I wanted to cover so i would always think about what shannon sharp or gonzalez and those guys that i'll be facing that were elite guys and put me on that you know map in their eyes that i was an elite player mm-hmm. and i felt like i held my own uh, and covering them one-on-one. I remember going into the the Raven game that we actually lost. I told the coach, uh, Greg Williams, I want to check him every play, man-to-man. That's who I want. I get, I'm tired of him always talking. And, you know, then as soon as we play zone, he catches a long ball, and I got pissed. I bet if I go back and watch the film, you can see me yelling to the sideline. Like, I, I don't want to <laughs> run that play. I, t- I told you we shouldn't run that play. And that might have been the biggest play of the game, at least as far as their offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but every other time, I uh, should have got a pick, didn't catch it. He ran a slant. I could tell you their, their passing routes uh, when they would split him out one-on-one. I'm, oh, okay, if I play off, they're going to run a slant. If I get up in a press, they're going to run a go. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do the press bail. I can go through that whole machination of how they run their offense and what they like to do. And I could still remember it today. And I was like, I'm going to make all these plays. They're going to know that, hey, man, that guy, legit, I'm going to have to stop throwing to you. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of really, you know, gate. I mean, all the elite guys that I, I would be facing, running backs. So I was kind of a self-motivated guy, but more trying to be the best version of what I can be, that God-given talents that I was gifted with, and not try to be somebody that I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think if guys focus on that more so than anything else, uh, everything else, you're a competitive guy you, to, a, you know, to a fault. You wouldn't have made it this far. So all those things are happening in the game. I love hearing you talk about coverage, A, because how well you studied. So you had, like you're saying, I knew if he lined up here, he was going to run this. I knew this was, you knew their pass routes. I love hearing you talk about that. The other thing is, um, just knowing that that chess match and how much you seem to like that. Oh, I You against the uh, the offensive coordinator, you against the quarterback, you against the guy you were covering. Uh Uh-huh. 
I did. That's fascinating to me. And you were yeah. keeping all that flowing in your head during the game. Well, yeah, absolutely. And that's why I, that's another characteristic trait that I want from my elite players. And even when you're talking about drafting them, how quickly do they think and adjust mm-hmm. in the snap? You can have an elite talent, but if they're not quick thinkers in the National Football League, they'll only be average players in the National Football League. You have to, And, and this comes from all the quarterbacks are that way that are really good. I mean, maybe that was the trait that I don't know golf, but maybe that's the trait he just didn't have. Right. That he just wasn't a quick thinker. That people talking about all oh, you know, you know, he was always in his head telling them what plays to check to, and then they turn off his mic and everything else. So I think those players who can think quickly and, and break down a play immediately. And I kept a notebook on on all the coordinators and players uh, that I were referred to to jog my memory because the coordinators are going to run the same offense when they go to another team. So you got to understand, and then how they like to attack your scheme mm-hmm. is different than, you know, you turn on the tape and go, man, they didn't do any of this stuff against us. Well, yeah, because they, they, they didn't feel like that would work against our scheme and system. So you have to go in there with that mindset. And it's kind of, you know, the same as being a, actually a coordinator. It's kind of how you have to think as a player. I don't, I don't know if a, a lot of players probably didn't think that way. They was more <laughs> just concerned about doing their job. Uh, but I, I love that chess match, and I, I think a lot of it comes from just my background in that I was a big-time chess player growing up, and I used to love that. And I didn't win a lot. I won some. Mm-hmm. And so I like to anticipate what's coming and what the counter move is going to be. And you probably always hear me talk about counter moves and everything else because I love to anticipate. And when I get it right, I'm like, oh, now I'm going in for the kill. So now i got to go make that play. It kind of all matches up to the same thing uh, for me. Uh, and sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. But guess what? I would think, and guess what? If I win the majority of my times, and that's kind of where I looked at my grade every time. If I win eight out of 10 in my personal one-on-one matchup, hey, man, that's a passing grade. And most of the time I was nine out of 10. Yeah, and so they a lot of games too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to win our way out of this first hour and make it to the second hour. We'll do that. Um Jordan DeJani is going to join us in hour number two. Lots of NFL headlines to get to. Uh, Bengals head coach with the extension. There's lots going on. We'll get to all that headlines next right here on the chess match that is Blaine and Mickey. Where I'm getting my extension.